If you want to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6, we're going to continue in our series in Mark. We have, we have been ushered into the presence of God this morning, focusing our attention on this awesome, holy, creator God who loves us unconditionally. And the songs that we were singing, the, uh, the readings that, that Samantha did earlier, had just been bringing me into this place of, of an awareness of this wonderful, wonderful Father who loves us, um, who sacrificed for us, who would do anything for us. And it just fits so perfectly with the passage that we are looking at here this morning. Mark chapter 6, and we're just going to read the first six verses of this passage. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. But many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom, wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter? The, the, the son of Mary? And brother of James and Joseph? And, and, and Judas and Simon are, are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. But Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. And he went out among, uh, among the villages, continuing his teaching. Jesus comes to Nazareth, his hometown. You remember we've talked about this before. Mark has, has indicated that Jesus had, had chosen Capernaum as kind of his home base for ministry. And, and much of what we have been reading has been uh, Jesus going out and back to Capernaum, out in different locations across the Sea of Galilee, and then back to Capernaum. But his hometown still is Nazareth. That place that's about a, a day and a half walk from Capernaum out to the, the south and east of the Sea of Galilee. And, and Jesus has come back here to this place. And, um, and Mark indicates and, and reminds us and wants us to keep in mind his disciples are there. They're with him wherever he goes. They're, they're hearing the things that he is saying. They're, they're seeing the acts that he, that he is accomplishing um, along the way in the lives of the people that he interacts with, that he meets. They are there, and we need to keep that in mind because it is going to come back time and time again where they have seen these amazing things. 
and yet lack faith. And Jesus marvels at them from time to time. Oh, you of little faith. Mark, in his storytelling, he doesn't want us to miss the fact that his disciples are there with him. They're seeing these things. They're hearing these things. And we need to keep that in mind as, as uh, Mark's narrative continues. But as Jesus comes and he, he starts teaching in the synagogue there in his hometown of Nazareth, the people are astonished. They don't understand how this guy, this guy that they've seen grow up from a, a young age, the, the things that they know about him, the training that he received as a, as a carpenter, the, the family that he has come from, where did this guy get this kind of wisdom? Where did this guy get this kind of power to do these marvelous things that we've heard that he has been doing in the lives of people all around the Sea of Galilee? They were astonished. And, and, and Mark goes further to say that they were, took offense at Jesus. They were, uh, the Greek word is scandalized. That they were they were taken aback. They were angry that this guy that they knew everything about was somehow rising himself above his own station that they knew that he should be in. Is this not the carpenter? They knew the training that he had received through his life and that wasn't as a rabbi. It wasn't as a teacher. He was the builder Is this not Mary's son? That one probably stung a little bit. See, it's it's common in that time period in that area to refer to people by their father. That this is the son of Joseph. And even if Joseph had passed away by this time, we haven't... We don't really know that for sure. There's some indication that maybe he had, maybe he hadn't. There's some references in John that that seem to maybe hint that that Joseph was still alive. But nonetheless, even if Joseph was dead, it still would be Jesus the son of Joseph. But they identify him as Mary. People have long memories. They're in his hometown. They, They probably remember the controversy around Mary's pregnancy before she was married. So not only are they questioning Jesus' wisdom from His training, but they also are kind of hinting at the questionable family heritage, that He is not really the son of Joseph, that that this is that B-word son, right? That was kind of a, a, an undermine, a dig at Jesus. He came from questionable history. So how could he put himself in a place of trying to teach us 
He's the one with, that, that, that was born out of sin as far as they were aware of. They also identify his family. And this is one place where we have a list of Jesus' brothers and, and obviously also had sisters. Uh, indicate that the sisters are still living with him. And, and as they look at the rest of the family... <laughs> There's nothing special about any of them either. Why would this Jesus presume to take this kind of authority to suggest that He has any wisdom to share with us? And they were offended. And what was the result? Jesus was not able to do any mighty works or only lay hands on a few sick people to heal them. And he marveled at their unbelief. You know, we often talk about the power of faith, the power of believing. What can be accomplished when we put our faith in Jesus? What He can do in our lives, what He can do through us, what He can do in the lives of other people, the way He can change circumstances. There is great power in faith. But there is also limiting power in our unbelief and our lack of faith. Now, this can be misunderstood. It is false to think that somehow our faith gives power to God to be able to accomplish things. It's not like Santa Claus. What, what movie was that? Is it Elf? Where, where Santa's sleigh couldn't fly unless there was enough Christmas spirit in the city for people to actually believe him that would then give him the power to be able to fly the sleigh. That's not what we're talking about. God, Jesus' power was unchanged by the fact that there was people that didn't believe, that were offended, that were scandalized by him. Their unbelief wasn't changing His power at all. I have also heard circumstances and situations where people have used this and, and other similar kinds of passages to it to suggest that when somebody is seeking healing in their lives or seeking God's hand to touch them in some way, and they are prayerfully looking for God to come and minister to them. That when that healing doesn't come, when that transformation is slow in occurring, that others will then accuse that person of saying, you don't have enough faith. God doesn't heal you because you don't believe enough. Oh. How to kick somebody when they're down, eh? That is not what we're talking about here. Jesus clearly said it, it, it takes the mustard seed size of faith 
That isn't that there is such a powerful amount that, that for us we have to gather enough energy to create even just a mustard. No, it is like the smallest little amount. It just takes a little bit of faith. God is able to do amazing things, to, to cast that mountain into the sea, to, to heal any infirmity, to, to create any transformation in our heart, to, to give us the power to overcome any temptation or any sin. What we're talking about here is that, that here in Nazareth, because of people's unbelief, they weren't even looking for Jesus to help them. Nobody came to him seeking to be healed. Nobody brought their, their, their uh, family members that were uh, uh, possessed by demons or anything like that to Jesus to see them set free from that. Nobody came with a hungry belly asking Jesus for food. There was no expectation that he would actually be able to do anything, and so they never came to him. Look at the other passages. There's never a situation where Jesus had to chase after somebody to bring a healing or to to do a miracle in their life. Even even the, the man that was possessed by a legion of demons, the passage says that he ran to Jesus and fell on his knees before him. Even with all of that turmoil that was in that man that, uh, that, that he was able to break chains, nobody was able to bind him. He, he, had, he was able to bring himself to Jesus and ask for help, even though the demons would speak out through his, word, through his, through his lips and ask for, for mercy from Jesus that he wouldn't just cast them into the abyss. Even with all of that spiritual demonic control that was in his life, he was still able to come and bring himself to Jesus and and kneel at him and ask for help. To ask for freedom. Jesus didn't chase after people. One of the most heartbreaking stories is that interaction with the rich young ruler came to Jesus with the question of what do I need to do to be saved? And in their interaction, Jesus said, sell everything that you have and come and follow me. And the man turned around and walked away. <laughs> and Jesus, having compassion on him, let him go. He was that close that close to knowing the almighty creator personally in his own life and he walked away and Jesus didn't chase after him that's what we see happening here in Nazareth it's not that Jesus' power was limited it was that nobody was looking for help. Nobody trusted that Jesus could help them. They were so caught up in their scandalous understanding, in their, in their offense against Jesus, that they never even approached Him.
Is your unbelief limiting what God wants to do in your life? Have you stopped asking God for help? Asking God for healing? Stopped asking God for for His guidance? Stopped asking God to be set free? Is your unbelief limiting what God wants to do in your life? It was Jesus' brother James who wrote, You do not have because you do not ask. James chapter 4. Or you ask with wrong motives. (laughs) That can be the case as well. It is always good and right to ask our Savior for help. It is always good to come to Him for healing. To be set free. There are two things that I know. Number one, Jesus is able. You got to give me an amen there. Come on. (laughs) Jesus is able. There is nothing that He is unable to accomplish in our lives. There is no temptation that is too big for Him to give us victory over. There is no illness that He is not able to to remedy in our lives. There There is no abuse that you have gone through in your life that Jesus is not able to bring comfort and relief from. There is... Nothing in our lives that He can't do. Number two, (laughs) Jesus loves us. And He is good. So if He is able, and if He loves us and is good, and yet when we come to Him, And He doesn't bring the healing. Or we come to Him and He doesn't give us freedom. We ask for His help and He doesn't give us that victory. Our response to that should not be, well, I guess He can't help me. Or I guess He doesn't care about me. The reality is is that that there is something that God is going to accomplish in your life through whatever that thing is that you are asking for help with. That somehow, maybe like Paul, you have this thorn in your flesh that that God is using to, to bring humility, to keep you in a place where you have to, day by day, come to the Father and surrender and depend on His help and strength. Or maybe He is going to allow you to go through suffering so that you can then give care and comfort to somebody else who goes through that same suffering in their lives. Who knows what God is going to do through it? But it is not because He is unable 
or he doesn't love you. Those things we know for sure. Those things are the things that we hold in our faith that we find our anchor and our, and our sure foundation in all aspects of life. And the rest, we trust and we follow and we believe. It is always good to ask for help. Never give up. Never stop seeking out the Lord's hand to be at work in your lives. Never give up on praying for that lost family member that you are so desperate to see come to faith. Never give up praying that that, that, that illness, that, that infirmity that you have in your life would be taken away. Never stop praying for, for victory over the temptations, over those areas in your life where you struggle with sin time and time again. Never, never stop looking to Jesus to bring freedom in your life. It is easy to do. I don't think necessarily we always consciously come to that place of, of saying, well, Jesus can't help me or, or, or giving up or, or admitting that we have that unbelief. Oftentimes it just is over time we, it just kind of slips away. But, but there are these, these messages, these thoughts that go through our heads that, that when we really analyze them, we recognize that in that is our unbelief. That there's that part of our lives that we continue to try and fix ourselves rather than coming to Christ and looking for His help in. That we, that we create opportunities or we, we create attempts at trying to fix that problem. Uh, to fix that, that, that part of our history, our past, that we are either ashamed about or that creates too much suffering for us. That, 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 that fear that we have for the future that uncertainty we don't know, and so we try and, and come up with, with ways to protect ourselves from that thing that we are fearing. All of those attempts that we try and put into place in our own strength, in our own ability, are really statements of unbelief. And when we aren't asking God for help, He's not forcing Himself on us. Instead, we need to come in humility and in brokenness and in submission and surrender and in faith that He is good, that He is able, and that He loves us. And in that place, seek His hand and His healing and His freedom. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for each and every one of us in those places in our lives where we have allowed unbelief to creep into our hearts. Lord, we even need help in that from You to be able to let that unbelief go. And so just like that father with the demon-possessed son who was seeking for your help in freeing his son, 
And he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. We do not want our unbelief to limit the works that you are doing in our, in our bodies, in our souls, in our families, in our church, in our community, in our province, in our nation, and in our world, Lord. Even in the hopelessness that we see around us. Father, help us to hold fast to those two things. That you are able and that you love us. And we can trust you. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen.